3: Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. In the morning. Amen. In the evening. Amen. 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 Welcome, everyone, to the Church Planner Podcast. And this is why no one sponsors us anymore.
2: Hey, this, this podcast is being sponsored by MissionByBusiness.com. <laughs> oh, it is. I
3: saw what you did there. How did that happen? Uh, wait, Pete, how do I get on mission oh, oh, while oh, doing oh, I'm business? Sorry, I missed my cue. Uh, well, Pete, what's that? Tell me all about it.
2: Well, it is a, a training program that I do specifically with bivocational pastors and people who want to spread the gospel in their community By being on mission with people in their community, helping people in their community, hiring people in their community, that's what I do. What can
3: there be such a thing like that, Pete? Missionbybusiness.com. Simplify (laughs) missionbybusiness.com. Hey, don't wreck our one sponsor that we actually have on here. Well, guys, welcome to the podcast today. I'm your host, one of them anyways, and your other host is Pete Mitchell. My name is Peyton Jones, and that's a little something we like to call the Church Planner Podcast from Church Planner Magazine. But our special guest today is going to be, going to be Matt Lake, which he's not here yet. Um, he will come. He is training. He is a trainer, a great trainer of many leaders, and he will soon be on here. And we'll introduce him properly then, but that's what's ahead. But right now, you You get a little thing called Smack Talk.
2: You do know I am putting the video version of this up on the Facebook page.
3: I I, I can't
2: help it. Go ahead and tell him. So your little munchkin look right now where we can barely see the top of your head like Wilson on whatever that home improvement show was, That's kind of what you look like right now. Hey,
3: I'm actually normal size, but it does. It's an optical illusion. It looks like I'm really tiny, like I I got in the shrinking ray, because my computer is up high. I record for Through the Word, which, if you've never checked out that app. um, Hey, they're not a sponsor. Don't you plug it. Don't you plug it. Don't you dare plug it until they give us some money. They're a sponsor,
2: Peyton Jones, let me tell you. (laughs) You're like, they give me money, so yes, here we go.
3: Well, so there are eight-minute chapter summaries of every chapter in the Bible, and I am having a blast with the Old Testament. But I'm on 2 Kings, so they keep giving me all the books that nobody wants, and I love it, dude. Like, I'm into Chronicles next, and where other people are like, dude, this is really boring. I find solid gems, and I'm like, dude, this is the stuff that I I study the Bible for. I want to do
2: Deuteronomy. I did Deuteronomy. Did you? Dude, you're onto me. Did you do my favorite verse in there? <laughs> Never mind. I, I called I, him one I night. T- I either called Peyton or I texted him. I'm like, look at to Rodney, put you like a little kid. I'm
3: like, look at this one. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. There's plenty. Now, keep in mind, this app is for youth, and I literally have so much fun. I cannot tell you. I must have stretched at two she bears coming out of the woods and mauling 42 U's for about three chapters. Nice. Yeah. I like she it, man. Bears. <laughs> Organized <laughs> crime.
2: So, it, it, by the way, guys, if you're wondering why we why we started our, our beautiful little podcast, a little uh, rendition of Amen. I, so, right before we start, we always pray. I should say Peyton always prays, right? Because we're still worried that my prayers bounce off the ceiling and never actually <laughs> make it to God. Uh, and, Which are
3: the uh, ones that get heard just because
2: you said that? yeah uh anyway let's just keep moving along so um so the thing is my parents you know dad's a pastor right for those of you who haven't listening to the podcast long i'm a pastor's kid which is that probably explains everything now people understand why i'm the way i am pete's so, still rebelling I, i've never left the rebellious stage and uh they end all of their prayers by singing that. So when they did that in front of my kids, my kids thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And they want to do that at the end of like dinner prayer. Let's sing
1: the amen song.
3: Oh yeah, dude. That's awesome. So we, we once, uh, when Liberty was really young, gosh, she wasn't even two yet. We took her to, uh, believe it or not, Gibraltar, the, uh, the rocket Gibraltar. I was, you know, living in the UK at that time, doing church planning stuff. And, we got invited to go down to Gibraltar and do a retreat down there. And um, it was pretty, pretty rock and roll. And so we were there. And they, at the dinner table, did the Superman prayer. Have you ever heard that? No. So everybody raises their hands up in the air like Superman. And my daughter thought this was the best thing in the world. So you go, thank you, Lord, for giving us food. Thank you, Lord, for giving us food. We are so grateful for every plateful. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for giving us food. So you are now going to be a superhero at your table tonight, my friend.
2: No, because the problem is then my kids will want to do that every time. So, like, my daughter, (laughs) because her preschool, like, theirs was – we fold our hands and softly say, thank you, Lord, for our food today. Amen. So she always does that, and it drives me up the wall, because I hate those little cookie-cutter, this is how we pray. You know? Can you
3: imagine? Know. Do this at your next time you meet with another leader?
2: Is there a way so, I can do a snapshot of the screen? Because when you look like that right there, where it's just literally your <laughs>
3: eyes and the bald head up, it's it's great. Oh, it's- do you know what I saw today come up on the Facebook memory? Principality of Sealand. No! It came up on Facebook today. I'm going to post it in a little bit. Dude, how many years ago was that? That's got to be like eight years ago, seven years ago. Seven. That was year one. Year one, we were nuts, dude. If you think we're bad now, we're just stupid now. But we were crazy back then. We have a format to our stupidity now. Before, we were (laughs) were blazing a trail of stupidity. Right, man. People actually give us money sometimes now. Well, not for the podcast. Hey, I said sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Our our problem is we don't actually look for sponsors. We're like, yeah, we like our freedom. We kind of do. I mean, we're like,
2: oh, you want to give us money? Uh, what do you got? Uh, okay. All right. We'll, we'll yeah, take your yeah, money.
3: Yeah, maybe. Okay. But, you know, I, I remember the time someone was going to put us on the radio for free. And I called her up and said, you know, you should probably just listen to the podcast. Like, is, is that really what happened? Because I did. It was, it was Walter Martin's, Martin's daughter. daughter. Yes. Jill Martin Ritchie, which she is awesome. And she came on and we interviewed her, and we're like, "Look, people need to know your dad and you know it's funny because I told her i said look we don't we don't ever do anything immoral. it's not like we're on here like making you know blue jokes or anything that that you know that holiness is still a thing, but I think we're annoying to certain people, and i I think your audience you might just get people going, Who are these guys you know they're they laugh too much and have too much of a good time. And I said, If you if you have people that don't like people having a good time, you should probably not put us on your radio. And she laughed and she was so cool. And she goes, I'll listen and make a judgment. We never got on the air.
2: <laughs> That's so funny, man. I I uh I don't know, man. Th- that would have been great. I would have loved to have been on the radio, but there's no way I think we could have contained ourselves because no. Like smack talk to me is an important part of the podcast. So oh, yeah. we would have to like cut out smack talk because yeah. those like, think about who listens to the radio for a religious
3: channel. They're not, <laughs> it's not the podcast generation. Right? Well, that, that was why out of respect for her, I called her up. because She was like, Hey, send me all your audio files. And, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know that you're going to want our show on there, so, you know, I wish oh, we'd reach out to her again. Maybe she's forgotten. I was thinking that same thing, actually. Th- this is why I'm thinking about it. This week, I thought, I wonder if I should reach back out to her. We'd be up in, uh, it was Minnesota. Is that where it was? Yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, that's cold awesome. up there, eh? So my daughter's from Minnesota. Oh, is she? Yeah, that's where yes. Eden was born.
2: I didn't know that. Twin cities, baby. How's your daughter doing, man?
3: She's actually doing really good. She had another surgery uh, last week. Um, They have to uh, inject her, believe it or not, with Botox in her ankles and her calves because she has cerebral palsy. And if over time they don't uh, do that and also spina bifida, um, she'll lose her range of motion. So it's to actually stop her feet. And her ankles, like if you ever have been around Eden, she's up on her tiptoes and that gradually gets worse over time. And so oh. they have to interrupt that so that the, uh, the tendons and the muscles don't atrophy completely. Um, but yeah, they have to, they have to do that to give her range of motion. So she had one of those and, uh, sometimes they have to cast her. So in February, she'll go in and get casted. And she'll be in that for a few weeks. It's, it's not pretty, but she's a tough kid, man. I, I got to say, at a young age, that girl became my hero. So, Wow, that's awesome. But what's going
2: on in your life, man? So, okay, guys, big, big news. Uh, those of you who follow my life, as I'm sure all of you, just like, what's going on with the Pete? Uh, I have uh, I've lost 95 pounds. And now I've actually changed up the routine. So I'm no longer, you know, dieting to lose weight. I'm now, and dieting is not the right word, but my nutrition plan is to gain weight. So I'm actually in the muscle building phase for the next two months. So, so cool, man. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm training now in a gym. I haven't been to a gym in 20 years. And now I'm like, you know, going into the gym, but, uh, basically the, and there's a lot of reasons for this, but, um, a couple of them are this, number one, I was starting to feel really small, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> like you go from a lifetime of being the big guy to, Hey, you're, you, you're,
3: you're not so big anymore, Pete. You've I'm gone like, from hostile little Joe. Now I'm going to start calling you little buddy and look at me on the screen right now. I know. Right. I'm like I a munchkin. To, <laughs> I just want to pick you up. I just want to pick you <laughs> up and
2: oh here, let me help you out. Little guy.
3: Who needs a hug? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually, that's, that's the big news, man. So I, I actually, you know, cause it's all done under Wayne's, uh, you know, you know, he's the, the personal trainer and he's a, a former competitive bodybuilder, right? So the guy has his science down. I mean, he's the one who helped me lose 95 pounds, right? I, I literally ate what he told me to eat. We literally worked out here at my office every day like doing the workout he wanted me to do, which would usually take, I mean, it started out at like 12 minutes. He's got a seven minute, a 12 minute, and a 19 minute program. And then we would go a little bit more once. Cause I, I was like, man, I really want to keep keep doing this.
3: Is this high intensity training?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Metabolic conditioning. Yeah, So, yeah. I mean, cause you're doing it here at the house, right? You know, so you uh, some people call it, we, we call it metabolic conditioning. Well, no, there's, it's actually a medical uh, form. So high intensity training is, uh, part of the strategy for metabolic conditioning and you're doing it specifically to lose weight. That's, that's the type of exercise you're doing. So you're not doing cardio because cardio is great. If you're trying to increase your cardio performance, I'm not a runner. Don't give a rip about running. So that's not my thing. I wanted
3: to lose weight. So we did hey, metabolic. What does it say in the Bible?
2: The wicked flees. That's when no one pursues. what I'm talking about right there. So I, um uh, I just been, um, you know, focusing on that. Uh, we've got, I mean, for the first time in twenty years, hitting the gym. It's been kind of crazy, right? And fun all at the same time. And uh, and so, you know, that's that's the stage that we're in. And then basically, after two months, then we'll go back to to cutting. And uh, and then we'll cut for another two months, and then I think I'll actually be at my goal. So the goal is next two months gain. Uh, gain muscle, and then cut after that
1: for next so. Pete Mitchell! Back Lake, how are you? First time ever we've met. How is it that we both know Peyton Jones for so many years, <laughs> not one time? What kind of friend is he that he has never introduced us? Well, Not a
3: Peyton, very good one, apparently. <laughs> Peyton likes to, uh,
2: to keep his world separated because he's pretty much sure that I'm
3: going to screw up anything that i touch
2: <laughs> so if he can just kind of leave me over there in the corner everything seems to work
3: out. i you know that's i'm not sure i'm confident <laughs> hey, yeah exactly I
1: log in i hear pete mitchell talking about building and cutting i'm like how come you've never introduced me to this guy before
3: hey mac he mac is like he he's kind of the guru of fitness like any leader he gets around like they just start to change and get fit. The guy I'm planning with, Bo Moffitt, dude is super fit right now, thanks to Mac. I bump into a guy named John Allwood, super fit, thanks to Mac. If you want to hear an amazing podcast, go to the Sin Network Leadership Podcast, and Mac is on there talking about health. It was one that I used to co-host with Rick Duncan. Amazing 50 minutes will blow your mind, but... Uh, Anyways, Mac, it is so good to have you on here, man. Welcome. Good to be here. Well, let me let me kind of let me tell you guys a little bit um about Mac. Um
2: and by just, the way, doesn't he look like a munchkin with his just eyes and head <laughs> popping
1: up? Yeah, I feel exactly. like I should be doing this.
3: <laughs> so I, I I'll explain to you, Mac, because I know it's gonna distract you this whole time, but I have my computer set up to record for something called Through the Word for the rest of the day. And yeah. uh, I, I was doing some last night. So this is like when I do my little studio at home. This is the setup. And my computer has to be up high so I can read the screen. And then yeah. I've got my little portable like sound buffer studio down here on this level. So you can't okay. see that. But it makes me look really small on, on the You screen. look
1: creepy and small, yeah. <laughs> creepy
3: and well, small. he always looked creepy, so... <laughs>
2: But he does. It just looks like a little munchkin here. Let me just pick your little little buddy and put you over here.
3: If if you guys are not watching this on the YouTube feed, it is literally like a big screen and my tiny heads at the bottom. And and it's like Kilroy. Literally, my eyes are showing. Gonna get you. Gonna get you. I'm gonna keep saying that in the podcast to make it creepier. Are we? I are made we it weird.
2: Right oh yeah, yeah. We've been doing. We've been doing our little smack talk. So You joined us
3: right in the middle. We we warned him, Mac that at some point. We're live
1: right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. So we warned him that, uh, you know, for for anyone who listens, we have smack talk in the beginning, but we're going to go ahead and kick straight in. Um, And I want to introduce you properly. Mac is, I I would say, the best trainer uh, on the planet. Um, He is amazing. Transformation follows Mac wherever he goes. Um, He is the most Christ. I'm going to embarrass you, Mac, so you might want to mute me for a minute, but Mac is the most Christ-like leader I've ever served with, and no offense to all you other leaders. You were good too, but uh, Mac, really em- <laughs> Mac really embodied, no, they all know it, uh, Mac embodied to me what it was like to be a Christ-like leader and to inspire, not to um, just cause people to fall in line or, you know, hey, you got to be about this vision. Mac would inspire. Fire you to be about the vision, and what was amazing was it didn't really feel like we were ever doing Mac's thing. It felt, and I and I would imagine this was what Jesus was doing when He was pouring into the twelve. It always felt like Mac was pouring into us to make us our best, and that win for the individual was a win for the team. That's how it always felt to us. And I served with Mac for probably about two years. I want to say um, Mac recruited me. To work with him on the Multiply training, which he architected, and then they gave that to North American Mission Board, and I had the fortune of being recruited. Now, I do have to say, the first time that I met Mac, um, uh, I, I asked him. He said, "Hey, it was an interview," and we met at the Exponential Conference during one of the breaks. And I, he said to me, "Do you have any questions for me?" And I said, "Do you like Star Wars?" And Mac said, "I, you, you're not going to believe this. I've never seen one." And and I got up. I literally did. remember Mac. I got up from the table and walked away and said, "I can't work for you then." <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, Mac has over the years he's been a church planner. Um, he has a new book which we're going to talk about today. He's a writer. Um, he has built some of the best church planner training on the planet, and really pioneered uh, with an amazing team of gifted women, gifted men, um, built this amazing uh, multiply curriculum, really set the standard in church planning assessments. I mean, almost any assessment you see out there, if it's good today, uh, it's most likely copied the multiply assessment. Mac will not say that, but uh, that's how it is. I get to say that. But, um, Max, a humble dude, despite me saying all these things, um, I was reading a book recently, uh, for the textbook I'm working on, and I came across this. It said, the visitor who came to Tarsus looking for Saul was Barnabas. It was Barnabas, we recall, who had vouched for Saul on his first post Damascus visit to Jerusalem. One of the minor heroes of the book of Acts, the generous spirit of Barnabas was originally from Cyprus, a Jew from the tribe of Levi. His actual name was Joseph. But Luke explains that the Jesus followers in Jerusalem gave him the nickname Barnabas, which means some son of encouragement. Some people have the gift of enabling others to flourish. Barnabas was one of those. Now I had read this book before, but I I found in the margin. I had just written two words Mac Lake. So Mac, I I, I hope you don't mind that that glowing uh, introduction there, but. I have to say you've been my mentor um, you're somebody that I love to death um, I, I I just on a podcast with someone the other day said, "Hey, I heard you were a friend of Mac Lake any friend of Mac Lake's friend of mine that's how I live my life and uh, so anyways I'll stop the man love and uh, welcome onto to the podcast
1: man it's so good to be here and thankful to be a part of it with you and Pete and uh, you know I've told you many many times I believe. Uh, Peyton, that you are the most important voice in church planting world today. So thankful that you do this, and I uh, so thankful for your passion and love for church planters.
2: And well, I would just like to throw in there that after that introduction, we really hope you don't
3: screw it up for our listeners. Now, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, welcome to the Church Planter Podcast. <laughs> this is how we roll, Mac. <clears throat> so, Mac, you over the years have been really passionate about leadership development.
2: Hey, you know what? Before you get to that, Peyton, let's ask him our, our traditional- Oh, yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Our, our, our kickoff question, because I realized we didn't do that with Bob Logan, and I was kind of disappointed. So, Mac, one of the first things we always like to ask is, tell us your story of how you came to
1: faith. Oh, okay. I, I was expecting something very different. So. It's at
2: the end where we get to the fun questions. <laughs> we started out good and then we
1: just always go downhill. So, Yeah, yeah. I was born in a little town in West Virginia, uh, population 500. Uh, Mom and dad were passionate Christ followers, leaders in the church, a uh, church of about 70 people. And, um, uh, they just modeled for me a love for Christ and a love for church. And so when I was nine years old, uh, I remember standing on the second pew at Hanley Baptist Church, gripping that pew as tight as I could as Pastor Randy Kessler presented the gospel. I recognized that morning that my sin was separating wow. me and as a, even as a nine-year-old uh, wow. from a relationship with Christ. And so that morning I let go. I walked down. He prayed with me. And um, I remember mom sitting at the organ hitting Bad key, uh, bad keys, and uh, dad up there leading the worship and crying, and uh, as I surrendered my life to Christ, and uh, man, just uh, that little country church of seventy people shaped me in so many ways. Wow. That's where my journey with Christ started. That's awesome, Peyton. Did we lose you?
3: Nope, I'm still here.
2: Oh, you just turned off your video or something? I did. You, I, I kind of want to know what you were doing then in that moment, that great moment when Mac was giving us his backstory on how he came to
3: faith and then Peyton disappears. No, I, I, I'm dealing with my cough, which is still lingering. Right, right. Just, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been sick for like three weeks. So Mac, um, I, you know, uh, leadership development is really a passion of yours, um, can, can you tell me a little bit about the background of, you know, you, you were a church planner, you were a pastor. When did leadership development um, and developing others, when did that start to become really important
1: to you? It became important to me. Um, I, I would say that when I was first in ministry, I had people coming to me saying, uh, Mac, you're a nice guy, but you're not a leader. Mm-hmm. and that didn't stir the passion for leadership development yet. It just sort of, you know, damaged my, damaged my ego and, <laughs> and made me think, what, what in the world am I doing? But um, it, it was later on when I was at Polly's Island Baptist Church and I was an associate pastor and, <clears throat> and I was leading a bunch of uh, leaders and, and teams and uh, just got overwhelmed and uh, went on vacation, told my wife, I said, hey, the church is getting ready to fire me. And we'd been there about 18 months. She said, they're not going to fire you. They love you. And I said, no, they're going to fire me. They just don't know it yet. I said, uh, I- I'm-, I'm leading so many things. I'm juggling so many things. It's all getting ready to come crumbling down. So, um, you know, long story short, that night, God laid some things on my heart. I went back. I recruited seven people that I would begin to lead from or lead through. And uh, what I told those seven people, I said, hey, here's what I've done wrong. I got a bunch of people reporting to me. I don't want to do that anymore. That doesn't work. What I want to do is I want to lead through you seven. Here's my commitment. Number one, I'm going to develop you. Number two, I won't undermine you. And so if anybody on your team comes to me and has questions or needs something, I won't answer their question. I won't give them what they need. I'll redirect them back to you because my job is to champion you. Your job is to be the champion of your team. So that's when I first started doing leadership development. And Peyton, about six months afterwards, I found myself sitting at my desk one day going, "Huh, well, what do I do with this extra time?" <laughs> because now, all of a sudden, for the first time in years, I had margin in my schedule because I was de- deploying and, and, and developing leaders and delegating things to these leaders and truly empowering them. and so all of a sudden, I discovered I had a margin. Now we, here's what happened when my margin went up, my passion for the mission went up. Because now all of a sudden I had time to listen to God. A lot of times mm. what we do is is we we get before God and He gives us a He gives us a word, He gives us a mission, He gives us a challenge, we become passionate about it, and then we run off and we begin to execute the mission and execute the vision, but we stop listening to God. And he's going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I only more <laughs> <you our> story. <laughs> you know, I only got right. directive. You know, there's more I want to give you, but we stop listening, we start executing in our own power rather than the power of the spirit. Right. As a leader, I want to walk in the spirit. I want I, I mm. want to I want to lead from the overflow. And so if the practice of intake is not a consistent discipline in my life, I will never lead from the overflow. Right. And so I think so many pastors and so many leaders, they're running so fast and they're chasing a God inspired vision. But the problem is they heard it in a moment and they stopped listening. And now we begin to function out of busyness. We operate out of busyness and our souls become depleted. And so I'm no longer walking in the spirit. I'm no longer leading from the spirit. I'm just leading from a place of Mac.
3: Mm. And
1: when I lead. A Mac. I get Mac results. I don't want Mac results. I'm 59 years old. It's too. I, the, the clock is ticking for me. Mm. I, I, I don't have time to waste doing what Mac thinks right. Trying to accomplish Mac's mission and Mac's vision. I want I want to listen and lead from an overflow rather than um rather than uh, just busyness. Mm. So good. Somebody just came in this room. I had to borrow a room because my internet was (laughs) down.
3: Hey, you're on our podcast. It's okay. (laughs) Other podcasts, it would not be down with that. Us and uh, (laughs) Mac is one of my good friends. For those of you that are listening, I mean, you know, this is the the fact that, you know, I've often marveled that we've taken so long to get you. I know I've had you on one or two podcasts before but man, I would have you a lot more and you're just such a busy guy. I mean, you're, you've developed uh, multiplication pipeline, leadership pipeline. I mean, you're a YouTuber now. So we'll, we'll get into all that before we get out. But, um, but man, it is, it is just good to have you. We'll, we'll take you as rough as it comes. So, um, all right. So, uh, Mac, you're, uh, you've written this new book, um tell us a little bit about it and why you wanted to write it
1: yeah the so the book that's coming out <clears throat> on february 2nd or whatever it is i don't know the date is called the multiplication effect the reason i wanted to write this book is if you ask any pastor what is your leadership development strategy you're going to get one of two answers the first answer is an honest answer it's ah yeah we don't have a leadership development strategy second answer is well ours is organic which means they don't have don't, one. Yeah, they don't yeah. Have one. So so not, not a good answer. So what I tell pastors is you should be able to answer that question in 30 seconds or less. You should be able to articulate what your leadership development strategy is in 30 seconds or less. It's crucial because listen, if I don't know how I'm going to develop leaders, the likelihood of me developing leaders is very, very slim. So the multiplication effect book is a framework that I've put together several years ago that that helps a church build out an intentional leadership development strategy. Uh, They can customize it to their own culture. Uh, It's not a program. It is a framework that you can uh, utilize and put in your church and build for your church so that you can see a constant replication of new leaders. And and, and, and it's so important because it's the long-term health and vitality of your church that is dependent upon the constant multiplication of leaders. And so we can't just think, hey, uh, gosh, we got a leadership shortage. C- come on in. Do you have this room reserved? Yeah, I'm so sorry. Guys, <laughs> right. I'm going to step out in the hallway. So I'm doing a live uh, webinar. <laughs> um, all right. So, guys, um, thank you. I'm just going to step right out here in the yeah, hallway. Hey, while
3: you're doing that, Pete, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take a minute to advertise uh, part way through, that this podcast is also sponsored by Ministry Ninja. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which, if you go to the YouTube channel this week, you will see How to Raise a Capital Campaign, part two. It's me and the guys over at ECCU, the uh, Christian Credit Union, uh, sitting down and talking about church planning and money. It's actually called the Church Planning and Money Show. So. Church planning and money. Hard to get them in the same room, but we do.
1: <laughs> I'm back. All right. All right.
3: That was just a filler. See how we did that? We're <laughs> professionals, Mac. That's that's how we roll.
1: Love how you handled that transition.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, All right, know, so you were you were saying.
2: Mac, one of one of the things, let me just jump into this because it, it ties in with what you're just talking about. So Peyton had sent over to me a couple of the chapters of your new book and one of the things that that immediately caught my attention was something that really kind of surprised me, but it, it it's what I run into all the time. So I, I basically focus working with bivocational pastors and teaching them uh, either how to create an income or if they're self-employed, how to increase that income so they have more time, uh, so they can spend it with their family. because. One of the problems, obviously, that bivocational pastors have is they, they never cut out the time that they're given to the church, and they still got to work all these hours. So who do they take it from? They always take it from their family, which is not a good position to be in. And there's a lot of pushback I get, a ton of pushback I get from the church, from pastors, from people in the church. Oh, you know, we take care of our pastors. We, we pay them all full-time wages as if that's like the, the brass ring that everyone should be striving for. But I thought it was interesting because you said in the book that you run into the same issue with leadership and that they're like, oh, no, that's a business term. We don't, we don't really do leadership. I mean, you know, and, and I can't remember what the term was, but there was another term that like the church likes to use. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I found
1: that really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I'll go into churches and, and take them, begin to take them through the leadership pipeline process. And so I'll be working with their entire staff. And this is so common where there'll be somebody sitting there with arms crossed, and a scowl on their face. And I know, I know exactly what they're thinking. They're thinking, oh, this leadership development stuff doesn't belong in the church. Mm. And uh, and so <laughs> early on in my training, one of the things I cover is I say, okay, let's look at Jesus' life. Okay, let's look at his life chronologically. When Jesus, at his baptism, when he was baptized, there was a handful of three or four of his what would be his disciples there. They came up to him after his baptism, and they said, who in the world are you? And he said, come and see. Those men followed him back up to Capernaum. It's in Capernaum, he began to interact with them more. And it was there he said, come follow me. Now, when he said, come follow me, that was an invitation into followership. That was an invitation into discipleship. So these men began to follow him. They began to get to know him more. Then in Luke chapter six, this is when everything changes. It's a few months later. Jesus has been, these men have been following him. He's been discipling them. Now, all of a sudden, he goes up on the mountain and he prays. He comes down in Luke chapter 6. He comes down to the foot of the mountain. And the passage says he calls his disciples to himself. And from among them, he chose 12. I want you to picture this. He's standing at the foot of the mountain. There might have been 100 people there. And he looks out and he says, okay, you'll see here, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, John. He goes on, He picks his 12, and he says, okay, everybody, thanks for showing up. You can go home now. Everybody else is dismissed. Why did Jesus do that? Matthew, uh, Mark, in his gospel parallel passage, tells us in Mark 3 that he, he chose them that he might uh, be with them and that he might send them out. In other words, this is when Jesus started developing them as leaders. He recognized that he was not going to be here long term, that he had three years. He had to multiply himself in strategic men for the sake of the mission. And that's what he did. So he began to build a culture of leadership development right there in that moment.
3: That's so good. And I love how you always tie it back to Jesus um, over and over. Because I know that I learned a lot from you. Because I remember you, once we were talking, and you just mentioned, you know, in my quiet time, I've really been studying Jesus as a leader and as a trainer. And I had never thought about that, that for those three years, Jesus was developing these 12 men. And I, and I guess it's just kind of, you, you're thinking the gospel, you're thinking, you know, this finished work on the cross, you're thinking he's fulfilling all righteousness. You're not really paying attention to the fact that he's <laughs> developing leaders to, yeah. to, to, to succeed him. Um, can you talk a little bit about that
1: and then we'll, we'll kick into the next question, but yeah, yeah. So I want you to think about Jesus relationships. Okay. Jesus taught the 5,000. He, he trained the 72. He discipled the 12 and he mentored the three, Peter, James, and John. Now think about Peter, James, and John for a moment. What did they have that nobody else had? What did they have that nobody else had? Okay. Number one, they had greater levels of access. Second, they had exclusive opportunity. And third, greater levels of empowerment. So it, it's, it was Peter, James, and John that Jesus said, hey, come into, into jerius house with me. Everybody, he kicked everybody else out except mom and dad. And he raised that uh, Jarius' daughter from the dead. Peter, James, and John got to see that exclusive access. Uh, he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Boom. Who was there? Peter, James, and John. Exclusive access. The night before his death, he goes to the garden and prays. Who does he invite to go? Peter, James, and John. Exclusive access. I believe there was that ex- exclusive access for those three because there was something he was wanting them to learn in that moment that nobody else was getting access to. And so the question we have to ask who are my three? Who are my three? Who 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 am I pulling alongside and me to walk with, pour into Peyton? Here's the thing: we've got to get back to the discipling of leaders. I, I was I'm going to Scotland uh, tomorrow, and this is one of the things I'm going to share with them because there's fifty thousand believers in the entire nation. That is it. Wow! They want to see a church planting movement, but nothing is happening. Okay, and so here here's the thing I'm going to tell them. You and this is the same is true in the United States. Okay. We don't have a church planting problem. We don't have a church planting problem. We have a discipleship problem. The fruit that we see is a lack of church planters. But the root of the problem is a bad discipleship system, a lack mm. of discipling leaders. If we, I talk to churches all the time. They go, yeah, we want to be a church planting church. We want to be a church planting church. Here's the problem. There's, the next thing out of their mouth is, hey, yeah, do you know any church planters? We can, we, we're looking to find a church planter. Stop trying to find them and start trying to develop them. <laughs> yeah. look, for that, look at that 15-year-old kid in your church who's showing just an inclination towards ministry and call out call out that calling. Begin to walk with him. That kid will be a church planter in 10 years. And so we got to get back to discipling leaders for the sake of advancing the gospel, not for the sake of filling our ministry positions. That helps. <laughs> That's about a benefit but we do leadership development for the sake of advancing the gospel. You see what most churches do when they're developing leaders, they, they put them in a room and they dump a bunch of information and they teach them how to turn our ministry widget. And I say, we, gotta get, we gotta get behind that. We gotta, we gotta get rid of that mentality. I mean, we're following Jesus Christ, the most powerful leader that ever walked the planet. We have the word of God in our hands. We have the Holy Spirit residing in us. Why? Why in the world are we not raising up the best leaders on the planet? This doesn't make sense to me. And so we've got to get back to discipling leaders and calling out the called and spending time. Yeah, I, I, I did. A, I did a study one time through the scripture, and I was like, okay. I, I was looking for something specific, and I saw the four the the, the a four letter word that's the most powerful word, of, of, around leadership development. It's the word with. Joshua was with Moses. Elijah was with Elijah. Paul was with Timothy. Jesus was with the 12. We've got to get back to with. We've got to get back to mm-hmm. the with. Who are we with? Who are we with? And 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 pouring an into those people and see seeing them for what they can be and asking God. You know, see, Paul's Paul's relationship with Timothy was a three-way relationship. We got to get this. It was God, it was. Paul talking to God, it was God talking to Paul about Timothy and Timothy then meeting with Paul. Any mentoring relationships, a three-way relationship, it's me talking to God about you. And now I know what God wants to do in your life. When I discover that, I can become a better mentor and developer.
2: See, I find it really interesting what you're saying because to me it ties in so much with (coughs) the bivocational side. In fact, um, one of the things that I've been doing these little daily uh, live streams on Facebook and putting them on the podcast in between our, our main episodes like this one. And because uh, I was talking with this one Bivo pastor, I think it was the the Bivo pastor in Germany. And he was like, or, or as we started talking, I go, you know, here in, in the West, like we're always trying to, you know, get to be a, a full-time uh, pastor. And, and that's like the whole thing. And I'm like, most of the world doesn't do it that way. Most of the world, right. there's no way they could be a, a full-time pastor. Their, their church is too small. It's never going to happen. Yes, go, Does yes. that mean that that God doesn't love those areas as much? And that's why he's not giving them full-time ministry? And I go, no way. He loves them so much. He's yes. giving them bivocational because using your word with, that's what they're doing. I go, you you yeah. uh, you know, you go being a, a, a full-time minister – Tw- two hours on Sunday, maybe two hours on Wednesday. You're spending in front of Christians, or by vocational, you're spending forty to fifty hours a week in front of uh, most of the time non saved people, working with them, interacting with them, being with them. Uh-huh. I mean, that's how you you make that connection. Um, let me ask you this: How has uh, the leadership training and stuff that you do? How has that affected the churches? And what kind of results have have come up in those churches when they go through that leadership training?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple examples, uh, you know, Steve Willis in uh, Canova, West Virginia, little, you know, this is. I mean, it's not a little church; church of a thousand people. But uh, you know, Steve went through this training, and I was talking to him afterwards. He said, "Mac, I've never experienced this in ministry." I said, "What's that?" And he said, "We have more leaders than we need." I've never, I've never experienced that before. Uh, Chris, who's out in Denver, you know, he he told me, he said, "Mac, first time in my minister career, I didn't develop one single small group leader this semester. My leaders were developing leaders. Mm. And and so it's those type of results. I got a young guy right now, small church. And he's like, Mac, we're seeing so much results. I want to learn how to do this leader. I want to train other small churches in this process because I'm seeing the, the benefit, the impact it's having. I just started working with a church here in town and within, what is it? Five months, a large church. But now all of a sudden, boom, they go from like a handful of lead uh, coaches, that leading leaders level, all of a sudden they got over 40. And so uh, they're, they're, when you work the system, man, it, uh, it can work.
2: Yeah. So That's- rad. Yeah. I was just gonna tag on to that that uh I remember a story <coughs> we were talking with Rick Warren. I think it was that night that we had dinner with with Rick Payton. You know, we like to make it sound like it was just the two of us and not a room yeah, full of yeah, eighty people.
3: Candle lit, it was very intimate. We
2: we just <laughs> happened to to sit at the table and then we look right next to us and there's Rick and we're like are we in the wrong you know, this is the adult table. Where's the kid table? That's where we're supposed to be. And um, but he was talking about you know, his small groups and how you, he goes, he goes, realistically, I've got 3,000 small churches because yeah. that's what his small groups are. And so, you know, he's he's made a big point of, of really impressing on, on pastors that, hey, you want to do small groups. And, I, and I, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but I think uh, there's this pastor, he had 20 people in his church. And so he did what Rick said and he goes, I got 14 people that want to lead a small group, you know, out of 20. I want to, you know, volunteer their home. And he goes, well, what'd you do? And he goes, well, six weeks later, we now have 75 people in the church because we had 14 <laughs> leaders lead a small group. Yeah.
3: So I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's good. So good. So good. So
1: Mac, uh, what,
3: what is the distinction if, if any, between discipleship and leadership?
1: Yeah, I, I do see that, that the, there is a distinction between the two. I, I call leadership development discipleship, but there's the distinction is this. With basic discipleship, the primary focus is intimacy with God. I'm learning how to have intimacy with God. But when you begin to disciple me as a leader in leadership development, you're teaching me how to have influence for God with my life. In in the basics of discipleship, I'm learning primarily about my character. In leadership development, you're beginning to equip me in competencies. In in discipleship, I'm just focused on leading myself. Leadership development, the focus is leading others. And then the big one is, you know, in basic discipleship, I'm just learning how to live like Jesus. But then there comes a point in my development that somebody needs to equip me to lead like Jesus. So that's what I see the distinction. For me, that happened at 27 years old. At about 27 years old, I was a you know, fully devoted follower of Christ. I wasn't perfect by any means. I still need discipling, you know, I'll always be growing in my character. But at 27, God put a man in my life who said, Mac, I see something in you. I see leadership in you. He's the first person that said that. And he began to disciple me in leadership. And Peyton, over a period of two years, all of a sudden, as I met with him every week and we talked about leadership and what how to lead, this shift happened in my mind and I learned I moved from a doer to a leader. First time in my life, I was always fun. I might have been in a leadership position before then, but I functioned as a doer, not as a leader. First time in my life, because he discipled me, I began to see myself as a leader.
3: It's so interesting you say that, Mac, because in many ways, you were very affirming for me. And that's going to sound really strange because I had been in ministry for over 20 years when we met. Yeah. And yet, um, the reason it was affirming was I was always um, kind of like the radical or even seen at times as the rebel. and. Um, going out and doing things you know more evangelistic or more apostolic and 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 it, i i wasn 't kicking against the goads i you know being apostolic, I was very much about team yeah. but it, it would it, until I understood that you know uh, this is maybe the shepherd teacher kicking off against the you know, uh, apostolic, prof- prophetic, and nobody gets along with the evangelist, but those dynamics were there. But you were literally the first leader that I served with who just looked at me and embraced me for what I was and said, yeah. Don't ever change. God's mm-hmm. wired you. And I needed that from, mm-hmm. uh, I think, a leader of your capacity. So this is a little vulnerable to say this, but I remember having that conversation. And, and I want to go back to a really funny conversation we had early on. Which was, I was watching you lead our team. And I remember saying to you at a certain point, I, I took you, it was in Vegas. We were doing the assessment there. Uh, the infamous Shark Tank went down there. Yeah. And uh, and and you and I, uh, I, I asked, hey, can I talk to you? And I was a little bit shy about it. I was a little, it was kind of like, you know, asking a girl like, hey, will you go with me? Back when you were in <laughs> junior high, you know, felt a little vulnerable and a little bit intense. And I remember just saying, Hey, Matt. And and I was, I was just in awe of your leadership. And I said, Mm. "Uh," I didn't know how to ask it as like, you know, a 40 year old man. And I'm like, will you mentor me? (laughs) (laughs) And your response was, you looked at me and you had this kind of grin and you go, that's what I've been doing. And it was so right. It was an aha moment. It was kind of Mm. like the end of sixth sense where you go back. Oh my gosh, he's dead. You know, you're replaying (laughs) all the scenes. And it was like, Holy cow, he's been mentoring me. And I didn't even, and I started to see it. You Mm -hmm. know, the time where I show up in North Carolina and, you know, you say, hey, prep for these Mm -hmm. two. And then you throw me in the deep end, you're going to take five. (laughs) I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, you know. And uh, and and my mind went back to all these different things. I was like, okay, this was all part of training, mentorship, development. But I want to ask you, um, particularly as you're talking about the uh, leaders who were um, saying, I never had this problem. I have so many leaders and you've drawn the distinction between discipleship and leadership, which I think is really healthy. Um, How do you know who you're going to develop as a leader? For example, like Mm -hmm. when I was at refuge, long beach, I kept looking for leader types to raise up so I could leave. The problem is I sent all those guys out to plant churches. Mm -hmm. So when it came time to leave, um, I just had like warm bodies in front of me and I just started discipling them and training them and they became leaders. And I've, I've played with the idea of maybe your leaders are, maybe there, there is a special calling to a special type of leader, but, but maybe there's just people like you get the impression that you just appoint them like where Paul says, hey, pick these kind of men, their character needs to be this and that. Do you think that there might be more grounds to train and to to teach people leadership, just people that we don't typically think as leaders? Have you seen that kind of play out?
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, I had a guy come to me in my small group one time and he's like, hey, Mac, I want to do what you do. And I said, what do you mean you want to do what I do? I want to lead a small group the way you lead a small group. Yeah, you know, I mean, we love each other. We're we, we're growing in our faith, man. We're such we're like family. I want to do this. I want to do what you do. In my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, "You can't do what I do. You're not ready." This was years right. and years ago. You know, you can't do what I do. You're not ready. And um, but he persisted. He, I said, "All right, Roger." I said, "Yeah, uh, show up next week. Come fifteen. Come to small group fifteen minutes early. Stay fifteen minutes late." And so uh, he'd come fifteen minutes early. I'd say, "All right, tonight i will to teach you how to do uh, how to build biblical community among our group." And so I. Taught him that, said now let's go downstairs and let's go do that. So we'd go downstairs <laughs> and we'd come upstairs afterwards. That's okay. Hey, what would you see me do? Uh well, what could I have done better? And we'd talk about it. Every week we'd do that. We'd pick a different subject every week about leading. And we that's what we do every week. Six months later, he went out and led. Now here, here's it he started his own group. Now here's the thing I learned. What we've defaulted to in the in the local church today is we're constantly looking for readiness rather than willingness. And when you're only looking for readiness rather than willingness, you will end up doing leadership placement rather than leadership development. And there's a huge difference between the two. Mm. And this is why we're in this situation we're in today in the church because we've defaulted for so long to leadership placement, looking for readiness. Here's the discipline we have to practice: we have to look at people not for what they are today, but what could they be 12 months from now if. I intentionally invested in them, Peyton. I just kicked something off called the 2020 uh, Discipling Leaders Challenge. It's not a program; it's just something I invited people into. I said, "Hey, if you want to, if you want to take the challenge of discipling two to three leaders this year, I'll walk with you. It's free. Walk with you. I, we do did our first call the other day. A bunch of people jumped on, and I just taught you know just taught them about it. here's how you disciple leaders. Next time we get together, we're going we're going to identify how you develop competencies for those that you're discipling. And I'm going to teach them how to put content together. And so, I, I, I want to walk people through this to show them it's not as hard as you think. It's just not as hard as you think. It's basic discipleship. Jesus would have never looked at his 12 and said, hey, go make disciples of all nations. He wouldn't have given us this command to go make disciples if it was some big, complex, difficult thing. Remember who he told that, who he gave that command to bunch of ordinary people. If, if, if discipleship can only be done by extraordinary, gifted, godly, amazing, out-of-this-world people, then we're never going to accomplish the mission. So we can't make discipleship so difficult. We can't make the discipling leaders so difficult. It's fascinating to me. I was talking to Ralph Moore. You know, Ralph, it's, uh, they say Ralph has planted more churches than anybody else out of his church, you know, out of his churches. And so I asked him one day, I said, Ralph, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you raise up all these leaders, all these church planters?" He said, it's easy, Matt. He said, all I do is I found somebody that I believe in. I could see some potential in them. And he said, I'd, I'd either give them, you know, a, a book of the Bible to read like Ephesians, or I'd give them Good to Great by Jim Collins. And I'd simply give them something to read. We'd meet on a consistent basis. And I would ask them, what stood out to you from what you read? Uh, what did God ask, ask you to do about it? And how can I help? It, That's rad. That was, that was his discipleship methodology. You know, only thing I've done is added a couple extra questions to that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and in twenty seven hundred churches later for Ralph, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. holy cow! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, here's here's probably the
2: most important question that that we could ask you: <clears throat> if you were to get into a physical fist fight with John Maxwell,
1: who would win? <laughs>
3: that was the question Mac expected.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was expecting fist fight. I was not expecting John Maxwell.
2: I mean, come on, the the two leadership you know guys. I, yeah. you know, you got to put them
1: in the ring together. Ma- Maxwell, ding, ding, would, ding. yeah. Max, I, I'm not being humble here. Maxwell would beat me. He oh. would beat me. Yeah, he he would beat me because he would play dirty. I believe he would play <laughs> dirty. I believe he would cheat. I think John. I think one of John. I'm, I'm guessing right now because I don't know John, but I'm guessing that one of his strength finders is probably competition, and he's yeah. going to do whatever it takes to take yeah. me. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're I'd be right. Looking, I'd be looking for a low blow from him. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You know, Pete has that, and uh, if Pete and I got in the this is my moment. I do got to point this out. Um, Pete and I. Pete was saying before he got on here that he's in that phase where he's lost a bunch of weight. And, like, he hasn't put muscle on yet. So this is my one chance. I could take, take Pete. Pete. Yeah. <laughs> oh. right, right, now, <laughs> oh. right now, I'm small. I'm still so like, you,
2: the story, Mac, is I've lost 95 pounds over the last seven months. So wow. I feel small. That's why I have to go into the muscle building phase because I'm like, dude, I'm wow. small. I got to yeah. put on some muscle and then I'll go back He's to cutting funny. again. But, yeah. yeah, so you could take me. I think Peyton actually right now, he would
3: have a shot. I might, uh, I might. I might. I'm seeing my my golden window of opportunity. It's yeah. closing quickly. I better get on it. <laughs> no. Hey, Mac, it's been no, so hey great. <laughs> oh, whoops. Don't know what happened there. Little little Peyton Jones in stereo. Nobody needs that. Ain't nobody got time for that. But uh, <laughs> hey, Mac, it's been so great having you on here, honestly. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, the book, everybody, has been The Multiplication Effect. The author is Mac Lake. He's been our guest today. Uh, you can get in touch with Mac uh, in various places, Mac Lake Online. Um, tell them about your YouTube channel, Mac.
1: Yeah, I've got a group. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com uh, forward slash Mac Lake, M-A-C-L-A-K-E. You can go subscribe there. Uh, There are over 50 leadership development videos. We'll be adding more and more uh, over this next year as well. And so uh, if you're looking to grow in leadership development, it's a great place to go for some free content.
3: And let me just give a little plug for this stuff. The leadership pipeline (coughs) and the multiplication pipeline, until you guys have been there, you've heard about some of Max's training, but it is like nothing you've seen. And I guarantee you, I, I I would always, when we would lead these things, if I were leading them, I could give people the promise, you've never been to a training like this. So think about it as highly interactive, transformational, and um, just you're never going to get a talking head that's not the way Jesus trained. It's not the way that Mac trained. And you are going to be in for something really special. And you can learn about all those different things um, right now if you go to Mac Lake online. So uh, and while you're doing that, while you're taking all these courses, and watching all these YouTube videos, you don't really have time to do your church's finances. See what we did there, Mac? That's our second. I like
1: that. Yeah, you, I you
3: need, that. You need some help, Pete. You really do. You can't do it all, brother. I'm looking you, out for you.
2: You really should go to SimplifyChurch.com.
3: Simplifychurch.com, church.com, Pete. Yeah, why what is that? Tell me
2: SimplifyChurch.com, about it. they'll take care of all your bookkeeping, your IRS compliancy. You know, they're sending out end-of-year tax statements right now. They can help you with website development, assistance. They can wait for it, simplify your church. What
1: dot com? Sounds like, sounds like I need to go to SimplifyYourChurch.com.
3: <laughs> steal that, steal that soundbite. So, uh, hey, guys, the, the book has been The Multiplication Effect, the leader has been Mac Lake, and this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.
2: Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com.